Welcome to Her Extraordinary Life by Design, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I'm your host, Leslie Gaudet, self-care coach for women who are ready to make self-care a priority to support them in life and business. Every week, I'll be speaking with inspiring women from various walks of life who will share their personal journeys and will discover how they have fearlessly carved their own paths as business owners, passionately pursuing their dreams, and creating a meaningful impact on their communities. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast. I'm your host, Leslie, and I'm excited to be speaking with my next guest who is here today to help me continue a new wonderful health and wellness series. Today, we're talking with Reverend Mary Martin, who I've had the pleasure of meeting in a podcast community. Through her business, Catch the Vision Now, she leads seekers to walk into their beauty, talent, and giftedness. She facilitates inspiration, motivation, and pure love, opening the door to positive change using these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Does it matter that I exist? Reverend Martin has published multiple books covering topics such as empowerment, personal growth, human rights, and fulfillment. As a public speaker, she delivers presentations to various audiences, sharing her insights and stories with passion and humor. For decades, this life changer has helped others catch the vision now. I'm really happy that the Reverend has carved out time to join me today, and I'm looking forward to getting to know her better, unpacking everything that she's doing today and the impact she is making on the world around her. So let's get started. Welcome, Mary. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Well, Happy New Year, Leslie, and I'm pleased and excited to be welcomed as a guest on Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So before we get started unpacking what you're doing through your business and your speaking engagements and the other things that you do, can you give us a little bit more insight into the woman, the personal side of your story, and then we'll talk more about what you do. Right. I am 73 years old to get that out of the way first. A lot of people don't like to ask, but are curious. I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, USA. I and my twin brother are the only of my family. Uh, my father had seven kids, and we are the only offspring to venture forth, to venture out. And we've always been curious about the world. So I consider myself a global citizen. And I lived in Canada for 15 years. Uh, half of that was in Ontario. The other half was in Saskatchewan. People don't know where that is usually. It is north of North Dakota and Montana. I think my reward after that uh, bitter cold experience was uh, five years in Hawaii. Uh, I did move back to the USA. I lived in various places in Michigan and now have been almost 14 years in Central America. Uh, five years were spent in beautiful Belize, and I'm currently in Antigua, Guatemala. My educational background includes a Bachelor of Theology and a Master of Divinity degree. Uh, I am an ordained minister, and people laugh at, sometimes at my title because as a human rights activist, I'm sometimes referred to as Irreverent Mary Martin. 
My greatest achievements, Leslie, are my four beautiful kids, seven grands, and at this moment, four great grands. I love life. I love people. I'm open. Um, I'm energetic. I'm positive, And I love you. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's so beautiful to know that we have similarities because we did both spend time in Canada. I actually grew up in Toronto, so that's in Ontario. And then I also have lived in multiple uh, provinces in in Canada. In fact, my husband and I, we drove all the way across from his province, which is New Brunswick, which borders Maine. And we drove in the winter months, unfortunately, it was very cold, but we drove across Canada. And it was quite in- interesting to see the entire country, which I'd never done that before. So, and then of course, we've lived in multiple other places, but I decided to start chasing the sun before we got onto this call. Today, both of us talked about how we both like the heat and we both started chasing the sun. So yeah, that's something that I truly love and we have similarities in common. So I love that. So thank you. And you don't look your age, by the way, you look wonderful. I know no one can see you, but you look beautiful and you're an incredible woman. I love the things that you shared about what you do with your life, your children. How It just seems like you were glowing from just talking about them. And I think that's beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing that, because I think it's nice to actually get to know someone, not just because of maybe the business connection or the collaboration connection that we have, but just from that personal place so that people get to know us as the humans that we are, because that's where we start first. We're human first, and then everything else falls into place. So thank you so much for for sharing that. So I want to talk about what you do. Tell us more about the vision of Catch the Vision Now and how that came about. I felt called to the ordained ministry in 1978 in Oshawa, Ontario. And I had no inkling. That was not even the furthest thought. There was no thought. But I heard in my spirit, I want you to prepare for ordination. And what I heard was not strong or insistent, but very peaceful and calm. I, on the other hand, was quite vocal in my spirit and loud, I feel, in protesting. I had known no other person who was preparing for the ministry. I didn't really understand what that meant. And I certainly didn't know any other women. And I was just one of a very small number of people of color in that area where I live. And I was facing a a divorce with four small children. And I was flummoxed, I guess is a good word. And the next thought that I had in my spirit was talk to Keith. Keith was the pastor of the church I attended, and it was a free Methodist church, Whitby Free Methodist Church. I made an appointment, and he and his spouse, Adana, welcomed me into their dining room. And after some small talk, I said, I feel or or heard that I should prepare for ordination. And they laughed at me, both of them. I was so upset. I cried. 
And Donna said, sweet Donna said, oh, Mary, I'm sorry, we're, we're not laughing at you. It's just that you're the third one this week. Another one was a former priest who married a former nun. They had a, a, a child. And another man was a former hippie type person. And there had been no call from the pulpit about that. And they just kind of hugged me and said, well, we'll just try to work this out. And my life changed from that point on. My ambition was in fashion merchandising, where I could travel and be among glamour and fun. And my life turned totally opposite of that, for sure. My journey took me to Moose Jaw to study for a theological degree. I, I was sent to the desert on purpose, and it's in my book. It's over. I've had it stop calling me girl. How roadblocks were set up just to dissuade me or sometimes to make me look bad. But certainly, this move was made to take me and, and my four little ones into the prairies with no support system. When I lived in Toronto already, which was an educational hub, but after two years in this process, that's where I was sent. When I guess it appeared to them, she's not going to give up. I didn't understand the background. I just persevered. While I was in Moose Jaw, people would ask me to speak. I think partly because they were curious, how did you get here? And one time, someone asked me, Mary, are you paid when you speak? I said, of course. And then I was asked, do you have a license for your business? And I said, what is that? Well, you need to be licensed in order to be paid for what you do. And I suggest that you go to the city hall in the capital city of Regina, Saskatchewan. I said, oh, okay, and I did that. And at the desk, a kind man came to me and he said, may I help you? I said, yes, I want to register my business. And he said, uh, what's the name of your business? And I said, I don't have a name. He said, well, you need a name. What do you do? And I said, well, I believe that more is taught than caught. And I believe that people need to take responsibility for what they learn and take an active part in their education. So I want people to catch the vision. And he said, that's the name of your business. And so that's how it began in 1983. Catch the Vision was incorporated in Regina, Saskatchewan. I love that story. That's incredible, especially as you had a completely different vision for your life. You were seeing fashion merchandising, which is so far like polar opposite to what you were even thinking to do. You had two different paths and yet God started speaking to you like, okay, no, this is the vision I have. I want you to start looking at this and then having those people in your life that you already could lean on to help you to decide like, okay, what is the next step? But I love the fact, too, that you took that to that speaking. And I'm curious about how speaking came about, because I know you said you started the business or you incorporated your business after the fact. So how did you go from 
the vision of, okay, I've got this vision of being part of the church in a way where I'm actually pouring into people to then you're out in the community and you're doing speaking engagements. How did that come about? In my classes, studying theology for one who is seeking ordination, I was um, an outcast, first of all, quite different because the church was run by men. Women did not preach to the men. Women could teach, but not preach, and certainly not hold leadership position. All of it, it just seems doors open, and not easily, but they opened. I remember my first day of class, the professor asked the men, because I was the only woman and the only person of color, would say, let's, let's pray. That's how our class is opened. And the professor prayed only for the men of God. And when he was finished and everyone said, Amen, I raised my hand and I said, did you not include me in your prayer? And everybody was stunned. And my professors, mostly men, had to remember to include me, but they would rarely say people. They would say for the men of God and Mary too. And and I accepted that because that's as far as they would go. But I would always um, challenge uh, what was what was taught, because instead of letting it pass and we say the correct things, I would have a different perspective. Of course, I would have a different perspective. That's why we need diversity. And sometimes those in my class would just shake their heads, put their heads down on their desk and say, oh, no, here we go again. But that was my pattern. Some of those people would come to me after and say, will you come to my home to speak to some of us who might be interested in what you alluded to in class? Like the ancients had no way of knowing that women were co-creators in the process of making babies. All they saw was this went into that hole. That one became fat and life dropped out. And the assumption was, of course, the assumption would be that the seed of life, the sperm, that thing that came out of the man was all powerful, was life, was the seed of life. And we still use those terms today. For instance, I don't like to say I went to the seminary. I say seminary. Women were not allowed there to become pastors, to learn about deep theological aspects and philosophies and such. But they couldn't see that women were co-creators in the process. And also the idea that God made man in God's image meant that God must have a penis and women somehow were second class, even though they would say, oh no, that's not what we mean. But you act like that's what you mean when you exclude uh, almost or approximately half of the population and the things that you do. And so it was like that. People would be curious and say, how did you arrive at that? And how do you challenge the system? How did you get that way? And, and that's the start. Wow. I love that. It's true. I mean, it's unfortunate that, you know, especially like you were saying, you're a woman, you're a woman of color, being in a vocation primarily filled with men. And so there's these challenges that you're overcoming as you go along the way. But I love the fact that you had people saying, hey, first of all, you said, 
I'm not going to be uh, told to be quiet, which of course, the name of your book, It's Over, Stop Calling Me Girl. I love that, the title of your book, but also someone being able to just say, I have a calling. I've had this calling put on my heart and I'm here not because you are telling me to be here, because he's telling me to be here. And when he's telling me to be here, he's wanting me to represent a class of humans, which are women that can also be a part of this because it wasn't just women and men. It ha- you have to have this union in order for there to be more of our species. So I love the fact that you were bold enough to stand up and say, look, wait a minute. You have to make sure that I, it's inclusive here, but then also going out and speaking about your experience and bringing that. So I think that's very cool. So thank you for sharing that. So I want to ask you, you help people discover their purpose and gifts. Now, through what you do, catching that vision, I love that, you know, when you were saying that it's taught, then caught. And I love that because what I feel too And any of the things when I go through self-development, one of the things I've heard some coaches say is that when you teach something, you retain 80% of it. So I love that. So when you do this and you go out into the world, whether it's through speaking, whether it's through coaching, because I know that you have some of that, what would you say is the first step someone should take, especially in your experience, if they feel lost or are unsure of their calling? That's a good question because we each receive our direction in different ways. Somebody's expecting to hear a voice, they may never hear a voice. But look at the signs. There are the fact that you are inclined that way is a sign. I would simply encourage people to breathe and then to begin self-study in the area that you feel led. And because of um, the internet now, uh, it isn't necessary to seek uh, the formalization of that. The information is already available. Talk to other people and and encourage. I encourage you to, I wouldn't even say step out in faith because we don't often even know we, what it is that we're stepping into. We don't yet have the tools, but we have the inkling. And, and that's enough to move you from point A to point B. So one step at a time, and it doesn't matter how long it takes. And because of my journey through different uh, denominations, through different institutions, it was 16 years of hard work, of fighting, of never giving up, of keeping focused on the original call was, I want you to prepare for ordination. And I didn't realize that it wasn't just about me. And that's a big eye-opener, a big vision to get, to retain, that this isn't just about you. I love that. And I like what you brought up, that it's not necessarily how much time it takes. It's something that I've always, I've been living by this principle of that timing is really more important than how long it takes for you to reach a goal. So for you, like you were saying, it was 16 years of you preparing and getting into this, stepping into this 
vision that had been revealed to you all those years earlier. And I think that's important. A lot of people are trying to rush and they're trying to rush their lives. They're trying to rush the process and they end up feeling that they are living lives that they're not fulfilled because they're trying to control every step of the way. And I feel like when you allow yourself to let go of that control and just allow those things to come to you and taking your time that it works out so much better than you could imagine. But I think it's just that whole level of control can be really super hard, right? To really let go of. So I really love that you brought that up. Thank you. And in my case, all I expected was to be treated normally. So it would not have taken 16 years. It should have taken four. It was not my timeline. I did relinquish that. And I had no idea how long it would be. Well, that leads me to my next question for you. What would you say is like the key distinction between simply existing versus truly living? And then there's the second part of that is like, how can we like cultivate more fulfillment and joy? Because I think a lot of the time people are just simply existing. They're going through their day to day feeling like they have a purpose, but they don't know how to seek that out. And again, we talked about that in the beginning, but what would you say is that that key between that just to simply just existing day to day or going out and really truly living your life? Great questions again, Leslie. I see myself as relational, social, interactive, loving, honest. There are lots of words that I can use to describe myself. I would encourage people, which I do when I do vision quests with them, to give me some words that describe you. And be honest that the first things that come to your mind, if I had asked myself that years before, I would have said angry, judgmental, ugly, stupid, skinny, dumb, even the N-word, even the B-word. So that's where we start with knowing who we are. You have to start with the truth of who you see yourself, not others right now, but who you see yourself. And then from there, you make the decisions of what you like, what serves you, what you don't like because it doesn't serve you. And then to move out into an effective lifestyle. That's the beginning. And to continue that, once you know that you desire to be effective, you desire to be all you can be, then doors open that the people who agree with you come to you. Your circle, I wouldn't say widens. I would say your circle closes to protect you, to have those in your circle who you would do for them the same as they would do for you and vice versa. And so I would say those two. I love that. I love the whole part of like that quest, the vision quest by starting with your words that you use to describe yourself. I know we can be really super harsh. And I think when you ask someone to say it out loud, A lot of the time we are very bold to say the negative things inside our own head to ourselves. But when someone actually asks us to describe ourselves to them, it it can be challenging, but it can also just be that eye opener. It's like, you know what? Maybe I really need to be a little bit kinder to myself. It's almost like that prompt from that person. So I love that you do that. That's very cool. I think that's great. 
My last question to you would be if you could impart just one piece of wisdom or advice for our listeners to help them on their journey to discovering who they are, what their purpose is, what they can, as you were saying, the questions you ask of who am I, why am I here, does it matter that I exist, what would be that one piece of advice that you would give to them to help them answer those questions? My one piece of advice I try to encapsulate it, is to want to know who you are, that you want to know, why am I here, that you want to know, do I even exist? It's the want to. It's to catch that vision. And then it's the kernel that opens up a whole new life, and it's a willingness to embrace it, no matter what or how it is manifested. Just trust it. I love that. Thank you. Yes. Just trusting yourself. I think it's just, that's the scary part. Like, you mean I can trust me? Well, yes, of course. I know for myself that it has a little bit more to that for me because I have a relationship with God. So I want to be able to bring my hopes, my dreams, my questions to him to to answer those questions of who am I? Why am I here? and, And what's my purpose even? And do I even exist? Like, in, especially when that whole question revolves around other people, do they even know I exist? I truly love what you shared today. Thank you so much for being here and generously not only sharing your story about how you got into doing what you do, but you've dropped such wisdom today for our listeners. And I am so grateful. So thank you so much for taking time to speak with me today. My pleasure and happy new year. And all of us can still rest for the rest of our lives. Catch the vision now. Yeah, I love that. And I hope our listeners recognize that the journey to self-discovery begins with believing in themselves, catching that vision for all they can become. Even small steps taken with faith and courage can lead to profound growth. Be sure to check the show notes for Reverend Martin's contact information if you'd like to explore more ways to uncover your gifts. Her message is one that can spark transformation in us all. I hope you walk away feeling energized and equipped to pursue your purpose, move past obstacles, and share your light with the world. Keep dreaming big, believing in yourselves, and taking bold steps forward. Because when you catch that vision for all you can be, anything is possible. So as always, keep dreaming, keep believing, and keep designing your extraordinary life one day at a time. Thank you for joining me on Her Extraordinary Life by Design. I hope you've been inspired and empowered by the incredible stories shared on this show. If you enjoyed this episode and the conversations we've had, I would greatly appreciate if you could take a moment to leave a review. Your feedback and support mean the world to me, and it will help others discover the podcast and join our empowering community. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Together, we can continue to learn from these amazing women uncover their extraordinary journeys, and be motivated to create our own lives by design. Thank you again for tuning in. Until next time, stay empowered and keep shaping your extraordinary life one day at a time. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. 
With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to electrocast.com and join our community today. Electrocast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Electricast.